friends, and welcome to your second weekly helping of the Kings of Anglia Ipswich Town podcast. I am Mark Heath. With me today, Stuart Watson and Roscoe. Last time we spoke to you, friends, we said that it looked like Ipswich Town had a good opportunity to make it three wins in a row. They duly did, but not in a manner I don't think that any of us would have predicted. Really, really weird game at Portman Road on Tuesday night. One of the oddest I can remember in recent history. Boys, Stuart, you were there, of course. Alex on half term, so you were flying solo in terms of content provision. How was it for you, mate? Yeah, exactly what you just said. A, a strange game, a wild game was Kieran McKenna's verdict on it. Um, a game of chaos, really, and mm. they do not suit Ipswich Town, those sort of games. If you, you only have to look back to last season and see some of the areas where points were dropped, the 4-4 draw, we're talking about wild games of football, the 4-4 draw at Charlton and everything that happened in, in uh, stoppage time there. Um Lincoln, Cheltenham, Fleetwood games all kind of spring to mind. Whenever Ipswich kind of play a, you know, someone where they can fling a, a long ball up to a big man, Brandon Hanlon at Wickham last season, Joe Ironside at, at Cambridge, Aaron Co- Collins at Bristol Rovers. Um, similar story here with with Rotherham, with, with Tom Eaves and Jordan Hugel up there. And yeah, whenever it becomes a, a scrappy bits and pieces, aerial battle type of match, really doesn't play into Ipswich Town's strengths and throw into the mix that Ipswich had come off the back of two two away days and a heavy pitch at Swansea made for, for the perfect storm, really. Yeah, and obviously there's a lot to talk about and we'll do that in, in due course. First of all, though, Ross, we have to say hello to you. Freshly shorn, freshly trimmed. How's things, my young, hairy friend? Less hairy on the top now and on the beard, but I'm now nice and fresh, ready to take on this big few months of football I'm obviously I'll have a few other trims before the end of the season as well I won't just you know sleep this this will grow Um, yeah pretty much pretty much but no wild game as McKenna said and you said and uh yeah let's get right into it my friend yeah let's do that shall we right then friends peek behind the curtain time um on Tuesday night with Alex being off I was doing the player ratings uh as well so I was trying to watch the game on town tv um which was good it was working fine until kickoff and then literally about a second before kickoff, it froze. So I was swearing at the machine. I had I had a two two computer system going on, one with the ratings, one with the game going on. Um, and by the time I got it back, after a couple of re-logins and refreshers, Ipswich Town were already 1-0 down. And I thought, this isn't what I expected. And I then frantically looking through Twitter, trying to find footage of the goal. Julie found it. Nonsense. Absolute nonsense, the first goal. But before we talk about that, Shall we hear from McKenna as a whole about the whole game? And then we can get stuck right into it. How's your heart rate after that? <laughs> yeah, it was um, it was a bit of a wild game, wasn't it? Um, we didn't manage to get the, the control that we, we would have wanted to get in the game. Um, of course, it wasn't a good start. And from that moment, you'd say we probably never really regained our composure in the game. Um, but having said that, you know, we've scored four goals at home. We find a way to win the game. Every game in the championship is tough. I knew it was going to be a tough game. And um, the players have, have found a way to come out on top. Again, credit the players. It would be easy to just, you know, lie on the floor at that moment at 3-3 and give up in the game. Um, or maybe even come under pressure against your goal because they've got all the momentum of coming back from 3-1. But we, we find a spirit to win the ball back, launch another attack and, and produce a, a moment of real, real quality to go and win the game. The game. 
All right, then, Stu. Okay, so that, that word composure is going to get mentioned a lot today. I think it features in quite a lot of the clips. And we must say, before we start talking about this, and obviously the first goal and there were other mistakes in the game, Ipswich Town won this game. <laughs> they got three points uh, and they, they showed the resilience to, to come back from, from a real crushing blow um, to go down the other end and, and score the winning goal, which is great. But should we start with the first goal, Stewie? Um, because that was that was a bit of a mess, mate. I watched it back numerous times trying to work out who was most at fault. Uh, in the end, I just decided it was just a complete model between the two of them. Yeah, Harry Clark and, and Luke Wolfen did the two players on the scene. Harry Clark tries to sort of step across his man and shield the ball. Um, doesn't isn't able to do that. Luke Wolfenden kind of I don't know loses his bearings, gets sucked mm. into into that, and uh, his man runs off the back of him. And Ipswich are down within two minutes. And it's a familiar story, isn't it? The amount of times Ipswich are conceded inside five minutes, inside the opening 15 minutes. It's a stat we've been reeling off all season. Um, they don't do things the easy way, do they? So um don't think any of us saw that in the script. And, of course, it changes the sort of complexion of the night. A team that, that's come to Portman Road... Um, probably with no huge ambitions of, of attacking. Uh, I've now got something to defend. Um, and it, yeah, it made made it for a, what could have been a difficult night ahead. But of course, the damage was undone pretty quickly. Yeah. So how many games is that now? They've fallen behind in the season. So is it 19 off the top of my head? Something like that. Uh, yeah, I wrote it in the piece the other night. I think yeah. I can find it while we're talking. I but think I think it's, it's 19. nineteen of the thirty odd odd games. So, for yeah. a team that is where they are in the table, that's 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 quite remarkable, really. Yeah. So big shock then, Rossi, um, and certainly a shock for me when Town TV kicked back in that Town were already one 0 down. Um, I thought I tuned into the wrong feed. I thought I'd, I'd got a, an image up from a game four years ago or something. Um, but then, as Stewie says, Rossi. We know this side's resilient. We know they're full of character. We know they don't let their heads drop. And they duly got themselves back level really quickly, actually. That felt quite important um, with Sam Morsey lofting a lovely little cross. Oh, I've got uh, I've got those stats here if you want them quickly before we move on. They've played 39 games in all competitions this season. And uh, as you say, have conceded the first goal in 19 of them. So in pretty much half of the games they've played, they've gone behind in that's ten, 10 times at home and nine away. Um, six times they've now conceded inside the opening five minutes and 16 times inside the opening quarter of an hour. Mad, absolutely mad. And we've talked, I know we've talked at length about that and clearly that's something they need to sort out. Obviously they are trying to sort it out. Sometimes you just can't legislate for mistakes. Um, as McKenna said, we're not always going to be perfect um, and they certainly weren't for that first goal. But, they, they turned things around, like I say, Rossi, pretty quickly, which was important, it felt like. Morsey, lovely little cross in for Wes Burns, who had an absolutely wonderful night. He had two goals and an assist inside the first half an hour. Um, what did you make of that and uh, the kind of turnaround, again, that show of resilience that we know Town have got in them? Yeah, I don't think Rotherham would have been able to defend that lead for... <laughs> Well, there's the second minute they scored, so that's a long time to try to yeah. park the bus. They would have to park a massive lorry in front of that goal. So, um, <laughs> now I always felt Town were going to go and score. And um, it was one of those nights where they were clinical, weren't they? There's been a few times where they're like, oh, they've not been clinical enough. But Wes Burns, Keith Moore, they were clinical, got the goals. Um, and yeah, as you said, this team doesn't you know, let these sort of games you know, go away from them because they, they, they know they need to get the points. And um you know, I know Rotherham are rock bottom, but they're always, you know, a tough team to play um, because they've got championship experience and stuff like that. 
But uh, no, Wes Burns, um, the curse of his haircut is gone now. Don't worry about it, ladies and gentlemen. His ponytail is, you know, is gone, but he scored two goals, got got an assist. Um, and it was just good to see us just being clinical and being ruthless in front of goals. So, uh, no, good to get back, but it was a bit of a shock. And the stadium went a bit, it was more just like, oh, okay, this is weird. This is a weird feeling. Although, as we've already mentioned with the stats, we have conceded early before. Um, but yeah, against Rotherham, rock bottom, we all thought, yeah, this is going to be a you know a, a rollover. We're going to go and score loads of goals. You said Connor Chapman was going to score a hat trick. All right, um, <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, it was good to get, get the goals back. Yeah, the, the sound of a lot of betting slips being torn up. I think when when Rotherham score, because from what I've seen, most people had a big win to nil for Town. But yeah. this is the, we're going to say this is a really weird game, Stewie, and this is this is kind of part of the of the weirdness of the game. First of all, Rotherham score. Then Town come back and score three, and they looked like that was it. The game was soldered away. Three went up at half time. Um, only going to be more goals in the second half. Wes Burns had his man, as you like to say, on toast. It looked like he could do whatever he wanted down the right hand side. Um, and at three one, you think, well, slight crisis, crisis over. Get into half time, two goals up. Probably win this four or five one now. Um, and then it then it turned again bizarrely. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we probably shouldn't skip past the three goals that Ipswich mm. scored, um, even though there's plenty more to talk about because they, they were good goals. Um, they were good goals. Uh, could have equalised, I think, in the sixth minute when Kiefer Moore rose highest in the box and glanced to Leif Davis free kick just wide, did score in the ninth minute. And that's a lovely little um, clipped ball by Sam Morsey, left-footed um, for West Burns to, to convert with a, a firm stooping header. Um, as you say, Burns was having great fun down that right side up against the 37-year-old Lee Peltier, Sam Klukas as well. Neither of them could deal with him. He, he rifled one just wide. And um, the second goal, Ipswich's second, was probably the pick of the bunch, wasn't it? The pass up the line from Clark, the sweeping cross from Burns, the side-footed finished on, on the run by Moore. And at that stage, you thought Ipswich were going to run riot. They looked like mm. they were in, in the mood, obviously got... Got the third, which was a, li- a little bit more scruffy after um, efforts from Burns and Davis were were saved, and, and Burns was there to to tap in. Um, Burns could have had a hat trick in this game. We talked about mm. you saying Connor, Connor, you had a feeling about Connor Chaplin getting a hat trick, and you put in our group chat during the game. I've picked the wrong player. Um, <laughs> Wes had a couple couple more chances, didn't he, um, to to seal that hat trick? Um, little glancing header, I think, uh, at the far post just before half time. And um, yeah, at half time, I, I think I tweeted to say, um, you know, the game's not won yet, but it's hard to see Ipswich Town letting it slip from here. It's, we've seen Ipswich get early goals against the likes of uh, Millwall and Coventry leading up to Christmas at home and, and saw those games out uh, quite nicely. The game management was there. So um, at that stage, my mind was turning to, okay, maybe some early subs and save some legs ahead of the weekend. and. Um, but, but it didn't turn out like that. It certainly did not. And I was sitting pretty at home thinking, yep, just get these uh, front page pictures sorted out. Lots of nice sallies from the first half. Can start riding the star back now. Lovely. Nothing can go wrong from here. And then, of course, it duly did. And this is, again, this is the kind of weirdness of the game because it never really felt, apart from that, that period in the first half where town were, were running riot and there were nice patterns of play, it never really felt like they were totally kind of in control town no. style wise of the game particularly in that second half and it started to drag on and you think they're not really playing that well mm. um but they're going to get away with it and then of course you get the um the Horlicks from Hladke 
with the with the ball lofted into the box. He comes completely misses his punch, and then it's three uh, two. And Rotherham obviously massive boost for them. Another another mistake, another goal. Um, and it felt then like it it was going to be a bit of a hanging on job, Rossi. At least it did for me watching. I don't know if that's because I was just had a, a nihilistic attitude because I, I I felt like it probably end up being a draw from that point, just purely because it completely messed up my preparation for the paper and the tight deadlines. Also, of course, we had, adding to the weirdness, we had the 10 minutes added on in the first half. Mm. We had eight added on at the end of the game. We had a guy go off with concussion. We had six subs get made, which was another thing I was trying to work out. When when they brought on the sixth sub, I was I was looking at, did he? What? They probably made five. <laughs> Messaging Hutchie, what's going on, mate? That's the sixth sub. And then they put something out saying a concussion thing. Really weird, Ross. How did you feel after that Horlicks from Pladke? It's been a lot of um, chat around, oh, it's time to bring Walton in, reinstate him. Um, I think some people have got some short memories because um, Vaz, Vaz Clav Smooth has been fantastic. He's had a, you know, a few mistakes. A lot of goalkeepers have mistakes throughout the season, mm. um, but he's been superb. And it's just one of those games where Rotherham just, put loads of bodies in the box and they've got big, big brutes, aren't they? Sean Morrison, their captain and other different players who are just big boys. And um, yeah, it was a, a, a crazy final 10 minutes. And uh, I will admit, I was a bit shell-shocked when that third goal, or when they got the penalty. I was like, oh God, here we go. One of those nights. Um, and yeah, for their Cafu, Rotherham got a player called Cafu, which is so random. Um, for for them to yeah do what he did the Pianca what what's Pianca what's it called Pianca Pian- I like Pian- I like I like Pianca yeah let's go with that <laughs> let's go with that yeah. that 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 thing you shouldn't do uh, uh, penalty at that stage of the game uh, in front of a packed stadium but he did it and he scored but um yeah it was a moment where I felt mm, this wasn't in the script as we we all predicted as we said before like we were when you know I went three one I went oh give Robin a goal you know. And I thought, when it was 3-1, I thought, ah, okay, out your days, finish the game, as you mentioned, deadline's all sorted now, get the pitches sorted, get the report done, happy days, and I get maximum points. But uh, that wasn't the case because they scored the two goals and, uh, yeah, squeaky bum time. Before we get on to the the, the, the dramatic equaliser and the penalty, Stu, um, mm. obviously, Clagley made a complete hash of things there. And when you're a keeper, you make mistakes, obviously, they tend to be magnified because more often than not, they lead to goals. What what did you make, though, of, of Town's kind of defensive struggles in that second half? Because it wasn't like Rotherham were doing anything particularly cultured, um, but it seemed like it was really rocking Town. And we we hear the word composure. McKenna said lack of composure. We're going to hear from Lee Davis in a minute. When he also refers to a lack of composure. Um, watching on, on TV, uh, Alan Lee and James Scowcroft in the Town TV studio were very critical of of uh, Luke Wolfenden, particularly um, struggling to... to play with with the way Rotherham were, were pressing him what did you make of that whole second that whole second half struggles because it, it just felt really odd yeah uh, it wasn't just the second half either and you, you mm. mentioned it there earlier even though they had that period where they ran right and, and scored some goals it felt like even in you say 10 minutes of stoppage time at the end of the first half Rotherham started to get quite a few corners Ipswich dealt with them pretty well they've been defending mm. set pieces well of late but it did feel like something was in the air, even in that period where Ipswich had got themselves two goals to the good. Um, and yeah, I said it right at the very start, these sort of chaotic games where the opposition make it a sort of a game of percentages and scrappy and bits and pieces do not suit Ipswich. And it certainly didn't suit a sort of fatigued Ipswich town side. And 
Wolf, that's not Wolfenden's game to have a centre, big centre, big centre forward kind of pressed right up against him and, and battling. Um, and they they targeted him rather than Cameron Burgess as as you would do mm. uh, in in that situation. And then it becomes a battle to see who can make it their game. And normally Ipswich are pretty good at at landing on the second. If you can't win the first ball, land on the second ball, put your foot on it, keep the ball, have a spell of possession, you know, take take the sting out of it that way. But the composure is the word that's been used, as you say, quite a bit. And there was just too many loose moments. Broadhead came on at, at half time and he tried a couple of dribbles and got dispossessed. He wasn't the only one. Passes going astray. Little things like if you look back at the throw ins, they were just giving the ball away at throw ins, just not taking care and attention over things. And that gave Rotherham the chance to keep launching the ball into the box. A few too many fouls again is a theme of what we've been talking about. Sam Morsey was slightly late to a couple of mm. tackles, and that gave them again chance just to over overload the box and chuck balls into the area. And then, as Kieran McKenna likes to say, football is a game of, of, um, of, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Fine margins? No, not fine margins. <laughs> uh, randomness. Anything yeah. can happen. You know, the ball. Then the ball can drop anywhere, and anything can happen. So, um, then the longer that went on, as you say, once that second goal went in for Rotherham, and and it's a mistake by Vaz, no doubt about it. That then creates the the slight edginess, the nerviness, the tension in the air, and um, obviously there was still still a long time to go from from sixty minutes on. Yeah, and and it it kind of it didn't really feel like from that point onward that that town were going to break out and maybe win the game at canter. It, it felt more like if anything was going to happen, Rotherham were going to get another goal, which is really bizarre when you look at where the teams are on the table and Rotherham's rank bad away form. Just a reminder, they hadn't won an away game in more than a year. They still haven't, obviously, because they lost this game. But it, I mean, it goes back, I think, to October two thousand twenty-two was the last time they one and away game. So on paper, it should never have been this scenario. It should never have felt like this. It was really, really weird. Um, and again, looking at my ratings, the, the variation, uh, Sarmiento had a four, thought he was really disappointing, obviously hooked at half time, all the way up to Burns with a nine. So the, the, the variance in, in performances as well across the pitch between the players was was really, really odd. Uh, and then Stu, obviously, Town is trying to hold on. There's eight minutes added on. And then they get a penalty awarded against them, which there's no doubt about it, was very soft. I don't know if you've seen replays since. Davis said after the game that Caden Jackson essentially said that he, the player stood on his foot and went over. Yeah, it, it looked soft at the time and seeing the replay back, it looks even even oh. softer. Um, just glad that we're not talking about that costing Ipswich Town two points. Um don't think Keith Stroud is the most popular figure amongst <laughs> Ipswich fans yeah. anyway, and that would have sort of added to it. Um, so yeah, it looked like he, he sort of bought it, went over, went over, and uh, I mean, fair play to him. They've got some cojones to take uh, when you're, you're bottom of the table and and everything to take uh, to take a Penenka penalty um, was quite something. Um, and that kind of rubs salt into the wounds of of Flagkey's night, really getting done by one of those. Yeah. Um, and I think we all thought at that stage, ninety plus four, they'd blown it, and they probably deserved to have blown it because that goal had been coming, as as you you mentioned, the sort of the pressure had been building to that point, the anxiety mm. had been building to that point, and um, were it not for what happened, 
60 odd seconds later we'd be the the whole mood and the whole tone of this conversation would be very different absolutely and i'm sure you like me Stu, doing about your third rewrite like this on the was that cat that cat on the yeah, keyboard. Yeah, exactly. That's mid. what it was like. Yeah. yeah, I was like, oh, well, that's useless. It's three all now. I can't use the pictures I was going to use on the front because it's a really deflating draw as opposed to a straightforward win. Rewriting it from three one to three three. Swearing. I'm wipers. trying to do the live blog. Yeah. I'm trying to have file a match report on the whistle, <laughs> yeah. as well. It's um, yeah, with with the stoppage time at the end of both halves, that was. Uh, adrenaline was flowing it certainly was and adrenaline was very much flowing because oh my rossi oh my that man omari on the spot again very very similar to the the leveler against west brom um and, and credit you have to say here al uh, al hamadi lively when he came on obviously um was involved in this and caden jackson picked himself up from um being harshly penalized for a penalty to to play a lovely little pass into omari and then omari just shows this ever-growing composure there's that word again um, and finds the winner, which when you look back at all this craziness, this mad game, this really fairly poor performance, but it could end up being one of the most important three points of the whole season. Yeah, he's he's one for the big moments, isn't he, Amari? Mm. You know, as you mentioned, the West Brom game, Southampton, Middlesbrough, um, and this one. Um, I think Stu mentioned it in his video, and I think in a piece as well that you know it felt like the Pablo Canago, you know, not against Coventry where. Um, obviously, Coventry scored a late um, equaliser in that game. And then we went down the other end of the pitch and scored, and Pablo scored that great goal. And that's very much it. It was the same thing happened here. And um, you got to really appreciate the the finish from Amari. Obviously, the build-up, and as you mentioned, um, you know, Ali Hamadi and Kenan Jackson setting him up. But it was, oh, what a finish. It was a fantastic finish. And I think a lot of people said, oh, he looked a bit subdued, Amari, with his celebration. He didn't really go mental, did he? But I think he more likely went, phew! Yeah, we got the goal. Um, and I think, yeah, it was just you know, fantastic scenes, but um, yeah, he is gonna he's going to the row top, Amari, because he's just there for the moments. And obviously, I'm sure he's frustrated he's not playing regularly. I think he's only had maybe 10 starts or nine starts, something like that. But uh, yeah, fair play to the young lad because that was an important goal. And yeah, we'll at the end of this season, we'll look back at that and go, that could be very important indeed. Yeah, just nine starts in the league for Amari. I'm going to ask you a bit about Amari in a minute, Stu. But first of all, the, the significance of the win, because obviously Southampton, having won, what was it, gone and beaten 25 games uh, club record, have now lost two of their last three. And it felt like with them losing on Tuesday night and Town suddenly pegged back to three all, that huge opportunity was going to be lost. And then obviously they, they get the winner. So for you, how, how important could that be in terms of the narrative of the whole season, the momentum they're now three wins in a row, I'm beating in four. Yeah, I, I guess time will tell, but it feels like it could be a, a really significant moment, a psychological mm. lift. I mentioned the Charlton 4-4 game last season and moments like that can boost you or knock you. And we saw it took a little while for Ipswich, I think, to get that out of their system after that collapse at, at Charlton conversely this could not add belief because they've always had this quiet confidence going into the season that they could do something I think that mm. that belief will have built as they've had some big wins and consistent wins and performances but the nature of this not playing great still getting conceding late but then going and winning it late on um, doing it off the back of the two away games that they've just had 
I think that almost makes you think maybe this, do you know what, maybe this is meant to be, maybe the football gods are on our side, you know, it just gives you that, that feeling. I think, um, yes, they'll go away with it from it thinking we got away with one a little bit there, but the good thing is, is that straight away, Kieran McKenna sat there and said, you know, he wasn't sitting there really pleased. The first thing mm. he said is we've got to learn some lessons from this. Leif Davis comes in and says it's not good enough. And so if, if they can, if they can use this to, to really kick on from, um, yeah, I think this could be a result uh, and a moment that we, that we look back on as being really significant in this season. Cliche alert. What do good teams do? Uh, win when not playing well, Mark. Exactly. That's what they do. That's the mark of a good team. I'm going to hear from, uh, let's hear from Leif Davis, uh, first of all. And then I'm going to come back to you, Sue, because I want to talk a bit more about Amari Hutchinson. Um, it feels like he's he's meriting a bit more of a discussion after what he's been doing. So let's hear from Leif, first of all. Yeah, it was obviously a tough 90 minutes. Um, but it just shows the quality that we do have um, with Amari's goal. Um, we lacked a lot of composure in the game. Um, we are disappointed in obviously the, the performance, and we know we can play miles better. The level wasn't good enough tonight, um, but the main thing is the three points on the board. So yeah, we we just got to keep going and, and learn from what happened tonight. We done well to get back into the game because when well, obviously teams score against, where they they obviously just sit back and and try and do everything that they can to stop her because I know the quality that we've got. Um, and then obviously Wes there was showed his quality and obviously got the two goals and the assist. Um, but yeah, like that early goal did kill it a little bit, killed the momentum in the game a bit more. Um, but yeah, we, we fought hard to get back in front in the first half and then in the second half, that's what I mean about the composure that we lacked and like clearances, all that kind of thing, defending and being switched on. That's what we lost in the in the second half. Not every game is going to be perfect. Um, everyone makes mistakes. We're, not, we're all not perfect. Um, but the main thing is we fought hard and obviously you went to the final whistle, didn't it? And the last few minutes of the game and we, we still got the three points. Yeah, so as you say, Stu, it's kind of refreshing and, and reassuring to hear the, both the players and the manager say that that wasn't good enough. Um, but someone who has been good enough in, in recent weeks, Amari Hutchinson, Stu. Um, we've spoken quite a lot about him improving over the course of the season. Um and he's got these, as, as Rossi said, he seems to be a man for, for big moments as well, which is tremendous. For you, can you talk a little bit about how he's improved over the course of the season? Like what you've seen from him over the, over the, the fullness of time compared to what you saw from him at the start of the season, maybe in pre-season and, and, and how he's he's grown? Mm. Amari Clutchinson, I saw yes. him referred to as on social media. Not mine, but I did enjoy that very much. Um, yeah. Apologies, I can't remember who, I love that. who used that. But um, yeah, he his, probably his decision-making uh, is probably the biggest thing that's improved when he came in in pre-season. I think I turned to Alex at one stage and said, oh, maybe a bit of a show pony here. He was a couple mm. of times, it was all step-overs and skills and... Um, then he would, I think there was a moment in pre-season that Kieran McKenna's referred to um, over for the, what was the name of the competition that they won that you boys went to? Innsbruck Cup. Innsbruck Cup. I think there was a game, was it? You have to remind me which game it was, Ross, because you were there. It was either the Werder Bremen game or the... Leipzig. The, Leipzig. Leipzig. I think he went through on, on goal and probably should have squared it and, and didn't. And um, 
you know, so that it was those sort of things that they were they were working on with Amari Hutchinson. Um, and as as seen, his decision making has has just got better and better. And what really impressed me early on was that he had the the off the ball work rate to go with the the on the ball trickery. Um, you cannot underestimate how difficult that must have been to to score that goal under that pressure in that moment it's the first touch as well to, mm. to kill it and set up the, the chance it's the ability to then finish it as well um he looks like Chelsea are going to be very very pleased that they've they've chosen Ipswich as the club of choice for him to go and develop um first season in senior football yes he's only started nine games but he's been pretty much involved in all of them he comes off the bench most games um whether Ipswich will will see him beyond this season remains to be seen uh, maybe they could do another loan I would have wouldn't have thought it'll be available to buy anytime soon but uh whether he comes back or not what it does do is really strengthen um this reputation whilst Kieran McKenna is in mm. charge that Ipswich is the club to send Premier League clubs to send their, their top young talent to, which is, which is great. Yeah. Right. Let's hear from Kieran McKenna then. Um, you, we've referenced a few times about him talking about lessons needing to be learned. So let's hear that in full. Uh, and then we'll talk a little bit more about who impresses and who didn't in the game. For me, it feels more like there's, there's lessons to be learned tonight for everyone. If I'm honest, um, you know, it's 13 games left. One of the big messages coming into tonight was we need to keep tension out of the stadium, out of the performance. Um, we knew it's a different type of game tonight, a game where people are coming expecting us to win. Um, and that creates a different type of atmosphere. But, you know, we know we knew it was going to be a tough game. Rotherham we took points off of Leeds, took points off of Southampton. It's not that long ago they were much better placed than us. And they have, I haven't done the math, but they have a lot of championship you know, experience and quality in their team. So we knew it wasn't going to be an easy game. Um, but yeah, more so than the points, of course, the points are much appreciated. Every point in the league is, is hard fought. So to get three tonight um, is, you know, really, really nice. But I think it's, it's taken the lessons from performance. It's such a long way to go in a season. We can't afford to let the tension come into the game that there was. Of course, we got off to the worst possible start. We can see the really poor goal, you know, individual errors in there. Um, but that's football, you know, we've got a young team, we've got a young backline, we've got a lot of players playing the first season of championship football and certainly competing on the top of championship football, so we're going to make mistakes. From there, we have to, you know, we have to do better in terms of keeping the tension out of the, out of the game, out of the atmosphere, out of everything. And though it's not easy, we have to, you know, try our very utmost to, you know, as I've said all along, just keep enjoying the enjoying the challenges, enjoy the games ahead of us, enjoy the experience, enjoy the season that we're having and perform as well as we can. And we didn't manage to do that tonight. Um, thankfully, we found the spirit to still come out with a result. But um, I think going into into the next games, we need to do our utmost to, to try and get back to that, to that. First of all, Watson, game state, fine margins. Don't start saying do the math like McKenna just did. Because Absolutely that, not. that is wrong. And I will also call out Kieran McKenna here for not being very good at the math sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's, uh, the, the example, that we always talk about, uh, I think last week he was asked about playing three games. Now I've got to make sure I get this right. Three games in the space of seven days because they played Wednesday, Saturday, Tuesday. And he, he corrected the questioner, it wasn't me, he said uh, 
uh, no, three and six days because it was thing. You count back. You go, no, I'm pretty sure it was seven, but we'll we'll go with it. So um, no, I absolutely won't be saying math. Yes, American listeners, it's not do the math. Math, it's mathematics. It's plural. It's do the maths. Anyway, um, slight grammatical rant over. Rossi, who impressed you in this game? Other than the obvious, clearly Amari Hutchinson, Wes Burns was brilliant. Um, I'll give you one. Kick your kickers off. Lewis Travis. Mm. I thought quietly, like had a really solid, impressive game. Coming in, clearly he's not played a lot. Comes in for, for mass, give him a rest. Took a little while to get going in the game, but I thought he showed some really nice, some really nice touches, a few nice passes, and he also got right stuck in in a few tackles as well. Um, did you like what you saw from from Trav? Yeah, do you know what? Um, a rare start for him, obviously. Um, and I'm going to use the word, I'm sure you used the word as well. I think it was just solid, just solid performance. Um, and a tough game to come in for as well. Mm. Um, obviously, Sam Morsey just was his normal, you know, self. But yeah, Lewis Travis did really well in that position. Obviously, Massimo is, in that partnership is fantastic. But um, as you said, he went a bit under the radar. And um, yeah, as you say, he always gets stuck in. I think I got a picture of him. I think he's got like a bloody knee and bloody elbow. So um, he got he got really into the battle. I know you like that bit of blood yeah. um, and sweat and tears and stuff like that. But no, it really impressed me, Lewis Travis. And um, I think he's, we all said when he signed, it was a bit of a random signing, wasn't it? Because of course he was a, a, a championship rival's captain. Obviously weren't playing that regularly. He's come in and he hasn't been able to play that regularly. He obviously came in for those two games when Morsi was suspended. But I think he's probably just a fantastic addition to this squad because he can come in experienced player at this level and um comes into this one does well and we'll see when he does play next but yeah sort of performance from him what about you then Stu? anyone else you want to highlight maybe either positively or negatively in terms of their their showing um Kiefer Moore was a real handful in was, the first half was, yeah. in terms of battling centre-halves and I think he, he picked up a bit of a knock on his knee in that first half and I think that contributed to the second half because I, I don't think he looked a hundred percent. He looked like he was carrying a bit of a knock. So hopefully uh, that's not too bad because he's he's integral to to what Ipswich Town are trying to do. Um, while we're on the subject of injuries, we hope that people have come through okay mm. this this last week. Um, Kaki was sort of holding his shoulder after he missed that punch. I don't know if that was just a bit of de- deflection Ooh. tactics after making an error or not. Yeah. Um, Harry Clark obviously went off injured that's in the second one. half. Yeah. Um, my fear when that happened was Achilles because that's been an issue that he's been managing all season. But um, Kieran McKenna said afterwards it's a, just an impact injury on his leg, hopefully a bit of a, a dead leg or something like that. And he can recover because... Which do look a bit thin in the fullback positions. Uh, Wes Burns landed awkwardly at one stage, didn't he? And was holding his shoulder. He he hurt his shoulder, obviously, with Wales earlier in the season. So um, you always kind of hold your breath when little moments like that come, because you know two two or three major injuries could could change could change things quite quickly for Ipswich. But um, yeah, they've got to they've got to. Uh, Make sure they prepare quickly because the games keep keep coming thick and fast. Yeah, that Wes Burns actually was almost identical to the way he injured his shoulder early in the season. Kind of got mm. Podax jumping for a ball and landed right on his shoulder. It looked bad um, straight away. It looked like it mm. might be a, a night ender. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the replays on on Kiefer Moore, which was the d- very definition of a sore one. He went kneecap to kneecap with another player, um, and as you say, I think he was he was fantastic, and particularly in the first half. 
winning headers all over the pitch, wasn't he? Really making a nuisance of himself. Um, and as you say, Stu, also winning headers in his own box, which uh, is definitely something he's brought. Um, and on the on the subject of fitness, shall we hear from Lee Davis one more time? Because that was one of the things that maybe people were talking about after this game. Whoa. Maybe town are a bit tired. They've they played had a couple of long away trips. You know they played on in the rain at Swansea. Maybe they're they're starting to fatigue a bit. Um, Leif Davis was was asked about that after the game. So let's hear what he says. Not really. We're, we're all fit lads. We're obviously we check the running stats after after every game, and we always run the most in the league out of all the teams. Um, so we are a fit bunch of boys, and everyone recovers really well. So I don't think it was tiredness. I think it was just. One of them games where it's a different opponent. Um, we knew it was going to be a different game, a difficult game. Um, obviously, how they play set pieces, the the big at. And I think we on set plays we actually defended really well. And we have done the past few games that that we needed to to do against tough teams. We never give up. Um, we just got to keep keep fighting till the last whistle, uh, to the final whistle, and and keep pushing and, and doing what we need to do. There you go, then, Stewie. So. Leif Davis using the same term that would probably be used to describe us a fit bunch of boys. Um, any any final thoughts before we uh, we move on? Anything else you want to mention from from the game? I, I suppose in terms of things emerging from the game, I guess Harry Clark's injury is, is potentially the biggest, um, as you say, concern. Yeah, yeah. Axel Twenzebi looks like he's kind of next next in line to sort of fill in at right back. Um, which isn't ideal because he's he's a centre back by trade. Yeah. So we'll, we'll we'll find out more on that in in the coming days. I gave you the stats on Ipswich scoring, oh, sorry, conceding early goals. It's only right that I, you know, on the flip side of that, I give you the stats on them scoring late. Uh, remarkably, that's the sixth time this season they've scored in the 90th minute or beyond. Wow, and tw- and 12 in the 85th minute or beyond. So um, for all the talk about conceding early. Um, we talk about it a lot, the comeback record, um, playing to the final whistle, never say die spirit, running towards adversity. Um, it, it really is quite something. And the more it happens, uh, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? You kind of think to, to Manchester United in the in the 90s, noughties is the prime example with Fergie time. Um, other teams will start to believe that you know, oh, well, Ipswich will score late on. And, and you can only imagine what it would have been like as a Leeds fan or a Southampton fan sort of watching that unfold, thinking, yes, they've dropped points and then sort of being deflated that they've scored again. Last season, Plymouth were the prime example. We'd come off, you know, the game would finish, Ipswich had won, oh, Plymouth have won again. You know, even on the final day where they, they went behind quite early on and, and still managed to win. So, um it's psychological and you talk about the, the tiredness factor. I think the fatigue factor was probably as much as mental as it was physical. Yeah. Um, at least right there, they are a really physical, uh, sorry, a really fit, naturally fit bunch of lads. And, um, you know, they, the preseason was, was hard and they train hard. Um, at, for that very reason, I think that's what enables them to, to go so late into games, but you know, it's mentally, it's not having much time to, to rest and always having your mind on the next game and, and stuff like that. So that was a huge week. So three games in seven days, um, two of them away from home, a heavy pitch at Swansea. Um, the games were physical games as well, particularly Swansea and uh, and this one as well. So to have come through all of that with nine points is uh, is quite something. 
Yeah, before I come to Rossi to put a cap on this, um, obviously we want to finish on a positive. Clearly they won the game. That's the most important thing. They got the three points despite what happened on the pitch. They came through, they showed the resilience and they went down the other end of the pitch. They won the game. And you saw, Stu, we've talked a lot about comparisons with last season and um, kind of similar runs and, and form and that kind of stuff. You saw comparisons, did you not, to a, a win last season um, in this one? Yeah, I was trying to think what, what I'd said. Yeah, the Port Vale game was kind of mm. similar, wasn't it? I think that was a little, little bit later. That was kind of April time. But again, a game where Ipswich were starting to get a bit, you know, had some real positive momentum. Our Port Vale at home will beat them. Mm. Uh, heavy favourites. And in the end, it took a, a late Nathan Broadhead penalty to, to lift the roof. And that was just celebrations that were born out of relief as much as anything that night and you know these games come along where you just have to find a way and get the job done and um so it reminded me a bit of that and maybe it's not not a bad thing it just sort of reminds everybody how tough every game in the championship is and when the fans turn up on Saturday it's just a a reminder for, for nobody to rest on their laurels and um so yeah not a great performance but um got through it and hopefully it will it will it will uh, prove beneficial uh, in the coming weeks. One of my favourite moments from this game, we talked about Amari Hutchinson's kind of slightly subdued, almost, uh, you know, celebrations afterwards, probably because he, he gets the nut put on him by Ali Al-Hamdi. Yeah. If you look back at the celebrations, yeah. he, he runs over. Ali is absolutely pumped. I mean, yeah. he's the very definition of passion, isn't he? He does. Uh, he literally nuts him. Yeah, <laughs> and he yeah. takes he takes a as a proper forehead on forehead action there. Uh, so poor poor Amari might have kind of concussed to be yeah. quite honest. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, Ali played his role, didn't he? He's, he's just he such, such a pest. Um, and it was him running the channels and and not giving up, and that played a, a massive part in that goal. So um, yeah, another another little tick in the Al Hamadi box for for having another a good little cameo. Yeah, I thought when I saw that, I thought, steady, steady on, old chap. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Rossi, come on then, uh, put the cap on it. Stu just said there, not a good performance, but obviously all that matters really at the end of the, of the day is three points. Anything else you want to mention before we move on to the Brum? No, not really. Just job done, really. Just another three points in the bag and uh, we move on. But um, obviously it's back-to-back home games, so it's nice to be back at Porton Road. Um, once again, playing against Rotherham, you look back at old games against them and we had maybe 10,000 in the crowd, 15 mm. in the crowd and stuff like that. But, you know, 28,000. I know we've mentioned this so many times. Even last season, League One, we were getting that sort of crowds. But um, it's just a nice, refreshing thing to see again. Playing against teams like this where we used to struggle against. Obviously, we still struggled because we, we really didn't win. But um, just to see the crowd and see the atmosphere, it was great to see. And uh, it will continue and continue and, yeah, bring on Saturday. Go on then, Rossi. Kick us off with, with Birmingham. Uh, an interesting time to be playing Birmingham. Birmingham have been, um, fair to say, an up-and-down club this season. Because he started the season with a real kind of feeling of, of momentum and the American money and Tom Brady being involved. And it felt like things were really turning for the better there. And clearly, a, a club with huge, huge potential. Mm. Then we had the whole Wayne Rooney debacle, which was complete farce, shambles, whatever you want to call it. Um, and now under Tony Mowbray, they started to maybe make inroads again into terms of form. I think they've, they've won the last two games in a row. First time since October, they've won two games in a row. Um, but again, obviously, we know Mowbray is, is not very well. He's having medical treatment, so he won't be on the sidelines on Saturday. Mark Venus 
takes the side without him there. Um, how are you how are you feeling about this one? Yeah, it's an interesting one. Obviously, we've got to go back to when we played them back in November. Yes, I think. Um, yeah. Obviously, we were 2-0 down. Um, of mm. course, Wayne Rooney was in charge, and that was when we were thinking, oh, we're going to get a, a defeat here. But, of course, Marcus Harness came off the bench and scored the two goals. Uh, so, it was another late show. I'm sure that's part of the, the stat that Stu put out about late goals. Um, but, yeah, sad that Tony Mowbray won't be there because that's all what, you know, he'd always get a warm welcome. Obviously, Mark Venus will get a warm welcome. Mm. Uh, Andre Dezel is there now, obviously, yeah. um, on loan. He scored his first goal recently for the club. Um, obviously, we've got the Jay Stansfield factor as well because um, he was, you know, potentially going to come, but he's now stayed. Um, but, yeah, they're an interesting team, as you said. They had that fantastic momentum at the start of the season. They got took over. Tom Brady was all over the place. Uh John Hughes has got, got the boot. Wayne Rooney comes in, doesn't do well. Tony Murray Bray's now in. And uh, they're an interesting team. I think they're, they're, they're fine, aren't they? I think they're not, they've got no worry about relegation. They'll be in mid-table and they'll look to next season, won't they? Uh, but I think it's going to be a tough game. But um, we'll get onto predictions later. But they've got some decent players around the pitch. But uh, yeah, Tony Murray Bray in the dugout. don't know how big that will be. Yeah, Stewie. Um I mean that's a that's a fine example of karma there the uh, the Wayne Rooney thing um, having got rid of a perfectly reasonable and, and successful manager uh, given a complete nonsense reason for it uh, and then they tumble down the table uh, and I think Rooney was actually booed off in his first home game which was really an unusual distinction um, how are you feeling about this one mate and and let's also think a little bit about the town team and what potential changes may be made shall we because you, you you nailed it with with Travis coming in for Luongo. You've obviously got the Amari Hutchinson factor to, to factor in. There's also, I've seen people saying that um, there's a debate, and we've talked about it before on here, Wolfie not in the best of form perhaps recently. We, we've mentioned maybe seeing Edmondson alongside Burgess, um, having a look at that. Uh, what do you reckon? All right, well, let's start with let's start with the team. Um, yeah. Ross said earlier about, Vaz and people may be having some short memories there. I think the same is of Luke Wolfenden. Can I remind everybody of what a good state Ipswich are in at the moment? And there does not need to be a scapegoat at all times. Um, people will make some mistakes along the way. Luke Wolfenden has played, started more games than anyone under Kieran McKenna's management. Um, and he's been integral to this style of play that's that we've all fallen in love with. And... Um, and he's an Ipswich boy as well. And I don't know what it is about players that sort of come from the town, Ipswich boys, Suffolk boys, but they seem to be sort of judged more harshly at times um, when it should be the other way round. So um, I'll throw a bit of love Luke Wolfenden's way. He had a difficult game, um, no doubt about it, but uh, I wouldn't be sort of rushing to to change things for the sake of it, personally. Um I think Luongo will, will come back in um, mm -hmm. for Travis as solid as as Travis was. I think obviously Morsi Luongo's you know been been such a, an integral part uh, of the team. And then you always feel like the the most likely areas to kind of freshen things up are in those forward positions where so much running is is asked of the players. Um, Hutchinson is is pushing hard, isn't he, for some more regular starts? I think probably unlike Sarmiento, if I'm being mm. fair, he's proven that he can be trusted to to start games. Um, so 
yeah, it'd be difficult to to drop Wes Burns. It's difficult to leave Connor Chaplin out. So where where do you put him in? We haven't seen him on the left hand side too much, but that's the one area of the team that's been changed around a bit. Um, I find it very difficult to kind of pick that that three in behind the striker. Um, Broadheads again. I was surprised to see him dip out after scoring three goals in three games, and we were waxing lyrical about him in in the last pod. So does does he come back in? So many of his big moments have, have come at Portman Road. If you push me for it, I think it still would be Burns, Chaplin, Broadhead, uh, and hopefully Kiefer Moore up front. Depending on his sore one, I like that, Steve. By the way, you're you're impassioned defensively, Wolfenden. And it felt a little bit like you're telling me off. I quite liked it, um, Rossi. Any thoughts on on the town team? Do you agree there with what Stu says, or just to be contrary? Do you want to put forth a different argument? Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes you think Mario Hutchinson's just scored the winning goal. Does he get rewarded to start? But then, as Stu mentioned, who do you drop out of that team? Um, mm. Although when Broadhead came on, obviously I've been you know, I've been praising him because I want him to be the top goal scorer for my hot take and all that. But um, when he came on um, against Rotherham at half time, I didn't really, didn't really do much, did he? Yeah, really? no, he was um, quite disappointing, wasn't he? Yeah. Although he probably came in, it was a, a half where it wasn't a great half of town anyway. Mm. Um, so probably that's probably why we weren't really creating too many chances. But that's probably, yeah, maybe you, I know you're dropping Broadhead again for a second game in a row, but maybe that's the only other place you put, you know, Mari, put him on the left, try him out there and see how he does. Um, so maybe, yeah, maybe I'll go with that. Um Broad had to come off the bench and score another goal because um, I need him to be my top goal scorer, obviously. So, um, but yeah, around the pitch, that's really it, really. Um, but then, when will Ali Hamidi make his first start? Because that was that sort of talking point about this game. Obviously, Stu went, "No, keep more starting." I was more like, "Yeah, put him in, chuck him in." Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see when he gets his first start. But yeah, if Keith Moore still got that sore one, maybe he could start this one. But we shall see. Hmm. And Stu, just before we get to predictions, a little bit about Birmingham. Um, because as, as Rossi mentioned then, the first game between the sides, which was obviously under a, a new manager, um, they kind of shocked Town, didn't they? They came out, um, took a two two goal lead, wasn't it? And were, were really, really taking it to Town. So although they're under a new manager and we've just seen what's happened with Town and as you mentioned, the chaos approach of playing Town, you would imagine that if they're looking for similar success, they might think of doing a, a similar kind of way of approaching this game if you're the away side. Yeah, if you're if you're doing your analysis from a Birmingham point of view, you see what worked in the reverse fixture, mm. and you see what's just happened to Ipswich in in their last game, and I think that would be the obvious approach. But I'm not sure that's the way under Tony Mowbray. Um, we know Mogger likes to to play football, um, and so hopefully that will be the case because Ipswich prefer these games where teams try and go toe to toe, and they're these more tactical, technical. Battles and Ipswich normally come out on top of those. So, um, fingers crossed that will be the case because that that game back at, at St Andrews was that typical game of chaos where they sort of just mm. got in Ipswich's faces and and overloaded the box early on. And um, I know the fans didn't take to Rooney that quickly, but they were banged behind him that day. I think that was that his first or second home game in in charge Secondly, and. Yeah. Um, you know, they were chanting his name and that, that was really difficult. So hopefully it's a bit of a, a different story this time around, the fact that, that Andre has, has gone there um, and he's doing really well. I think he was man of the match in the last... He scored in a 1-0 uh, win against Blackburn. 
Uh, he was man of the match in a 2-1 win against Sunderland last time out. Both of those games were at St Andrews. St Andrews looks like it's rocking again at the moment, but away from home, it's been a different story for Birmingham. Um, they've lost 11 games on the road this season and only Sheffield Wednesday and Rotherham have lost more games away from home. Now, I know we talked about those stats from a Rotherham perspective going into the weekend, so it doesn't always mean anything, but... Um, yeah, Ips, Ipswich will, will, will be favourites to, to win this game again. Uh, look, look, Birmingham have conceded three goals at Southampton, Leeds and Leicester. And we're talking about Ipswich being in those, those sort of brackets of clubs. We know Ipswich now are averaging, what, three? I think it might even be four goals a game at Portman Road. So if it is a, a proper football match, um, you'd back Ipswich to come out on top in that. Hmm. Right then, uh, prediction time. I'm going to come to you first of all, Rossi, because you're leading this particular group uh we all got a point i think for the, the result on uh on tuesday night although clearly none of us said four three because that would have been mental before the game um stu's just looking up what he said in his predictions piece so i'll let him do that uh rossi what, what are you going to say for this one oh just quickly looking at Birmingham's last couple of results away from home they've lost their last two away from home two nil against sheffield wednesday and a one nil against west brom so, and they lost 3-0 against Leeds. So, I'm going to go, they're not, they're not going to score. So, that's a nice little clean sheet for town. It'd be nice to get a clean sheet. It would. Um, I'm going to go for a nice 2-0 win. I think that's a nice solid 2-0 win. First goal scorer, let's give it to someone different. Let's give it, maybe defender, maybe. Ooh. I've done that before and that's never happened. Because Wolford, I can't remember last time Wolford and Burgess scored. Wolfenden scored in the first home game, didn't he? I remember. Yeah, maybe. Maybe he can score. Do I give Wolfie a goal? Let's give Wolfie a goal. Why not? I may ruin this chance getting a point for first goal scorer, but let's give Luke Wolfenden a goal. Why not? Another another insight there, listeners, into the internal monologue of uh, of Ross Halls as we actually went through his whole thinking process there before we got to two nil. And Luke Wolfenden scoring the first goal, which would be a perfect response given um, mm-hmm. what uh, maybe a little bit of criticism aimed towards Luke. Stewie, you were you were staunch in your defence of, of Wolfenden. Are you going to be staunch and bold with your prediction here? Just looking back on the piece I did, sort of for the for the next block of games, and I also had two 0 down for this game, and that would do very nicely. A clean sheet, I think, would would do wonders. So uh, I'll stick with that. And I'll play the percentages and I'll say Kiefer Moore as first goal scorer. So we've got 3 0 Kiefer Moore, 2 0 Luke Wolfenden. Uh, no, 2 0. 2 0 for me as well. Oh, you said 2 0, sorry. 2 0. I'm yeah. going gonna, gonna to say 3 0. Why not? Use the Ross Hall's approach. Uh, 3 0. And I'm going to say, I'm going to stick with Connor Chaplin, I reckon, riding the. Uh, the Chaplin train for the first goal scorer. So we're all saying wins to nil, which would be which would be very nice, wouldn't it, given what's just happened at, at Portman Road. Uh before we take our leave, Rossi, fan social tonight, you want to just talk a little bit about that? Who's on? What you're going to be discussing? Yeah, fan social tonight, 8 p.m. live. Uh we are going to be switching to a Friday going forward next month. Um I just wanted to get one set for Thursday mm-hmm. um, to end the Thursday nights and then we'll be back to a Friday or we'll be starting doing Friday nights uh, but Bainesy and Brad the double B's will be joining me discuss things, all things town uh, we're going to be looking back at the the three straight wins uh, talk about Amara Hutchison as well uh, look at the Birmingham the strike all that sort of bits and bobs so stay tuned and get involved on all platforms Instagram no not Instagram 
Or next Twitter, <laughs> Facebook, and YouTube. On all platforms. Some platforms. Apart from Instagram. <laughs> yeah. I, think that's, I don't think you could do that just yet on our, our, no. our broadcast system. Can't simulcast, can you, on Instagram? No. But on free platforms, Facebook, yep. YouTube, and Twitter, get, get involved. Get involved. Eight o'clock tonight, then, if you're listening to this on Thursday. The Killer Bees and the hairy Ron Ross Halls in the host chair. Stewie, have you got anything to mention before we, uh, before we take our leave? Uh, no other business. I'll tell you what you should mention, Stu, is you should praise the man who took your plea and put Ross Hall's bath review oh, yes. on TripAdvisor. Oh, yes. Thank you very much to whoever did that. It's a bit of a mystery still, isn't it, at the moment? I think one, well, one of our let, listeners just happened to stumble upon it on let me TripAdvisor. Let find the guy who, who shared it with us. You keep talking, Stu. Yeah, so if, if you heard a previous podcast, uh, Ross gave us a very Ross Hall's uh, review of his time in Bath. Uh, and I asked a, a listener maybe just to transcribe word for word what he said and, and stick it on on TripAdvisor, and uh, the listeners never Is failed. Is that really to, what to I deliver. sound like, guys? Is that really what I sound like? That didn't really. It was a bit of a, all over the place. Didn't that really is. make sense. If I was a yeah. manager, you used to do your struggle, wouldn't you? Your struggle for my to quote me. And, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I think I might lose the will to win if I was uh, <laughs> to, to live. Um, can you find it, Mark? Because I think it's worth one of yeah, us gonna, reading it back out. Absolutely. I'm just I'm just scrolling back through the KOA timeline. Sorry, here we go. It was it was shared by Mick Lumley. So Mick, if this is your work, it's it's brilliant work. Um and thanks for doing it. So it's a five-star review of Bath, my visit to Bath, England by Roscoe. It was lovely, lovely Bath. I recommend to anyone who wants to go. Very nice, very nice, lovely time, although I didn't have a bath in bath. We did go to the Roman bath, but I mean, going to actually have a physical bath. We had a bath in the hotel room, and I was like, I didn't have a bath in bath. But uh, no, it was very nice. Weather was very nice as well. It only rained at night time, so it actually hit the window. I love the rain against the window, so that was perfect. (laughs) Lovely food, lovely people as well. I bumped into, you know, not KOA listeners, but just, you know, people who just, you know, who just go, oh, hello and all that. It was nice, Roscoe. <laughs> I love that. Mm. Particularly the aside about, the random aside about rain hitting a window, Ross, which I thought was, again, a my, my favourite was uh, people who say hello and all that. <laughs> that was my some people, some people are rude, aren't they? You know, They are, just depending where you go. Up. Oh, dear. Yeah. You say hello to someone on the tube. Good Lord. Oh, Absolutely. Right then. So uh, thanks for doing that, Mick. If that was indeed you, if it wasn't you, please come forward and reveal yourself whoever did that because you're worthy of, of significant praise on this very podcast. Friend of the um, show status, I would say that's worthy absolutely. of. We don't actually have a friend of the show keeper anymore, do we? Now that Hutch no. he's, he took, took the big case with him. Friends, um, in terms of going forward, I, this is my last podcast for a couple of weeks. I'm going to be around now for two weeks. Um, so I'll leave you in the capable hands of Rossi, Stewie and AJ when he gets back from his half-term Break, just to remind to support our sponsor, Manscaped. Use the code COA, manscaped.com for 20% off and free delivery. I refer to you boys as the titans of ball shaving, or at least Manscaped is the titans of ball shaving on Monday's show. And I realised that we've got the perfect um, before and after here, haven't we? We've got hairy old Ross before, and then Stewie post-manscaping. Lovely and trimmed. Don't know if that's that's helping to sell the product, <laughs> to be honest. Well, you never know. Uh, also, friends, leave us a five-star review on iTunes because um, it helps just lift us visibility-wise in the charts, helps more people find us, and it also feeds our egos, particularly my fragile 
large ego. Uh, and also, friends, follow us across all social media, Kings of Anglia, as uh, Rossi says. You can follow us on Instagram, although you can't simulcast on Instagram. We're also on YouTube, Insta uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. No one's calling it X. And also, obviously, AJ is now curating um, TikTok. So if you're cool, you're down with the kids. That's one of the most middle-aged things I've ever said. Um, join us on, on TikTok. And friends, Ipswich Town are winning, have won three games in a row. They've got a chance to make it four this weekend at Portman Road. Whatever you're doing, if you're going to the game, enjoy it. If you're not, follow it all with us and the boys will be back next time to talk all about it. I will see you after my break and hopefully Town is still going well. Have a great one, friends. I'll speak to you when I'm back. Thank you.